Blog Talk Radio. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning. This is Dr. O'Sullivan speaking, and you have gotten a hold of Holistic Veterinary Care and Acupuncture Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona. Um, this morning, we are fortunate enough to have Ellen Brandt, and we are going to speak about her sweetheart, Tashi. Um, Tashi is a Tibetan Spaniel that has a, a wonderful, wonderful story to tell about overcoming adversity and learning to wag her tail. So we're all going to try to learn something from Tashi today and talk to Ellen about her uh, long, sometimes arduous journey with Tashi. I want to invite all of our listeners to join in by calling 347-215-6138 at any point in time, and we can answer any of your questions and maybe some of your stories as well. Once again, call into Blog Talk Radio for Dr. O'Sullivan at 347-215-6138. The story of Tashi begins at a puppy mill, unfortunately. And it's very important to me to make sure that people know that puppy mills and puppy farms exist. Um, and I'm always surprised that people don't. Um, I'm always surprised to hear that people sometimes don't know. They don't know where puppies come from when they're in a pet store or uh, other situations. So today's the day I just wanted to try to spread the word and try to be as. Um, somewhat emotionally detached as possible when it comes to this issue. So um, I would like to give some definitions of what puppy mills and puppy farms are. And the first definition comes from the HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States. Um, And the definition is a puppy mill or puppy farm is a commercial dog breeding facility that emphasizes profits over animal welfare and usually contains substandard conditions. That is from, like I said, the Humane Society of the United States, which is a large nonprofit um, organization in this country trying to help animals. The other definition is the legal definition used in a court case in 1984. It was at Averson and Zygart. The legal definition at this point in time is, for puppy mills, it's, a dog breeding operation in which the health of the dog is disregarded in order to maintain low overhead and maximize profits. So um, these industries, which is exactly what they are, um, supply pet stores, supply um, other facilities that use animals in mass. And there are puppy mills, there are kitty mills, and those types of things. So. If you go online or you go to your veterinarian or um, other facilities where you can get broad stroke information, if you just Google puppy mill, you will get thousands, if not tens of thousands of pages that give information about that. So with that piece of information and that piece of uh, power, 
we're going to move forward and talk to Ellen a little bit about <laughs> Sweet Tashi and her experience in getting Tashi into her life, as well as um, where we're at now. And once again, Tashi is a, a wonderful, wonderful example of how um, we can, with her example, overcome uh, substandard conditions and adversity of all types. And over the course of time with a lot of wonderful care and just pure love, uh, learn to wag our tails. So um, I'd like to proudly introduce Ellen Brandt and have her tell her story about how little Tashi came into our lives. Thank you, Ellen, for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Dr. Sullivan. Um, Tashi is actually my fourth Tibetan Spaniel, and we have technically two and a half and half a Tibetan right now. But uh, we had learned, my husband and I had learned to love Tibetan Spaniels after a rescue several years ago when we were living in Florida. And so when we had a dogless house and decided to rescue yet another, that's the breed we chose to uh, to adopt once again rather than just rescues in general, which we have had many times in the past. I belong to an online group that specializes in conversations specifically about Tibetan Spaniels because many people don't have any idea what they are, where they came from, what their background is. And they had a notice from a rescue group back east someplace that a specific puppy mill back there wanted to sell all of their Tibetan Spaniel breeding stock because they weren't profitable enough. They had to get rid of all of them one way or another, and the rescue group arranged to, for a price to get all of them, which was something just under 30 at that time. They contacted my online group asking first for donations and secondly for foster or adoptive homes and Jack and I did donate money first and then decided that we wanted to bring at least one of these wonderful dogs into our home. So uh, after they brought out the first family group, they brought them out in groups of six, five females, one male, uh, breeding stock. And after the first one was group was out and thoroughly vetted and neutered and all of the necessary things. I studied the various pictures and descriptions of their size and age and so on and chose one and flew back east and brought her home. And several weeks later, I got an email from the rescue group saying, don't you have just enough room in your house for one more because we've run out of foster homes and we can't bring the next group out until more of these dogs find homes and free up our fosters. So, yeah, we're softies. And I flew back and brought Tashi home with us. Tashi is the oldest of the three dogs at home and the oldest of the two rescue uh, rescues from this puppy mill. She had, I don't know how many puppies while she was there, but when she came out of the puppy mill, she had four six-week-old 
pups with her at that time. Apparently, the puppy mill owner had tried to keep those little ones so that she could sell them to a pet store, but the rescue group was adamant. Their contract was for all of her Tibetan Spaniels, not just some, and so they brought the pups out as well. So everybody was to get a good, loving home and be out of that. I need to say one thing about this particular puppy mill, too. I don't know where they were exactly or how many who the owners were, but I was told that in that variety of business, this was a good one. And good being that there were less than, fewer than 200 dogs there, as opposed to the seven, eight, or 900 dogs that many of them have just sitting in cages, day in, day out, making babies which is basically what Tashi did for five years. There's a, a story of just no human contact, no toys, no play, just being used as a mill, literally. It's a, a creature that produces profits through reproduction. And it's much like, unfortunately, cattle medicine and those, I mean, you know, just... just um, livestock almost is a good way to think about it, unfortunately. Um, so, Alan... Um, when Tashi got to you, she was in a certain medical state or a certain uh, emotional state or lack of emotion state or um, how, how was she when you got her to your home as compared to maybe other, some, some of the other dogs or puppies or um, four-legged friends that you had and then maybe a short a story about um, the medical issues that you had with her up front um, and how that may have been linked to her um, previous life. Well, she was very withdrawn. She was totally submissive, um, obviously fearful of any kind of punishment. She would not eat food from a bowl. I don't know what she was fed in the puppy mill, but... At the foster home where I picked her up, they had bowls of dry food out for free feeding at all times, and I noticed that she wouldn't even go to the bowls. I I took some out, put it on the ground. She would eat it from the ground. She won't take anything from a human's hand. She still does not take even treats from a hand, and she's been with us for two years now. She, of course, had been vetted, and she had her teeth cleaned. She had very few teeth left, actually. Um, she had chronic ear infections, and that was the most noticeable thing. And what we first came to Dr. O'Sullivan about was the ear infections just were constantly recurring. The traditional vet treated them. They'd clear up. They'd come back. Um, Personality-wise, as I said, totally submissive. She followed the other dogs. She never led. We'd take the dogs on walks, and while two were out front, not well-trained, pulling on their leashes, she would waddle behind because she had no muscle tone at all to speak of. She had never been on walks. She had never run around. She didn't know how to play. Um, She is afraid of the squeak of a squeaky toy. She runs away if one of the other dogs squeaks a toy. Um, Over time, 
we I noticed on walks that she stopped to urinate over and over and over, and I asked our vet to check and see if there was some kind of problem. It might have just been marking, but it might have been a problem as well. And they um, ran tests and discovered that Tashi had blood in her urine as well as crystals. And so over a period of close to nine months, we had her on several different antibiotics and other medications and Nothing would clear up the blood in her urine. And um, finally, one day the traditional vet had phoned me and said, we just don't know what to do. I've asked everybody I know. I've gone online. I've called experts. We know she needs more fluid. She needs more water. You changed her food, which was at their advice. We had tried numerous antibiotics. She said, we just don't know what to do. And luckily for me, luckily for Tashi, and for all of us, I was in a class at the local university that Dr. O'Sullivan offers on introduction to holistic veterinary care. And after class one night, I just asked her if she would see Tashi. And that was the beginning of getting a good dog, a healthy dog. (laughs) She's like so gracious. That's just silly. Um, I, uh, the classes that I teach at one of the local universities, well, it's, an, it's a college here in, in town, and we uh, do, well, I guess it, we as me, do introduction to holistic veterinary medicine, um, holistic approach to the senior pet, a holistic approach to, at this point, we're starting a class on cats because cats are not small dogs, and in veterinary medicine we have a tendency to treat them that way, and we end up with problems just like we ended up with Tashi. So those classes are um, informative to an open public that just is curious and just don't know. And that's why doing things like we're doing right now are just so important because people just don't know that these things are uh, available because, correct me if I'm wrong, that if, if you're told there's nothing else we can do or we've tried everything or um, she may not get better, or especially when you're watching your animal bleed, um, be uncomfortable, uh, be painful, not put on weight, or whatever those things that just make your heart crush, um, it's, it's very difficult and, and heartbreaking and um, not very empowering and doesn't do a darn thing to help your loved one. So knowing that there are other options out there that are based in Western medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, and used together to try and get to a best result and the open-mindedness of the owner, the client, the, the caretaker, the advocate, is super, super important. So it's not as though we're asking some people to do things that are come completely never heard of. We want to make sure that through shows like this, through classes, through clients talking to people, um, through feeling empowered through information, whether it's Western or traditional Chinese or anything, that um, we are more open-minded to seek assistance through different modalities. So um, hopefully 
with our listener base can kind of spread that word. And it doesn't mean that we're negative or naysayers or finger pointers about anybody or any techniques. It's just that just like you and I, certain things work for certain people and certain creatures. So luckily, um, Ellen and Tashi got to somebody that thinks a little bit differently. And uh, it's not like it was an easy road, but... (laughs) Um, it worked fair enough. Is that fair enough to say, Ellen? Yeah. So um, a couple things that Ellen said that are so important when we think about our relationship with our animals and sometimes traditional vets or you just trying to help them out at home are things like our ear infections were being treated and then they just kept coming back. So um, I call that a band-aid over a bullet hole and cutting off the branches rather than getting to the roots. So, you know, cutting off the branches of our weeds or our trees, and those types of things make things look pretty, and it do they do help with pain or discomfort for short periods of time, but getting to the roots of the problem and literally digging them out um, is quite an investigative process, and I really think that that's where traditional Chinese medicine shines because it's a completely different way of looking at what's going on inside the creature, and Tashi, her blood and her urine and her crystals were directly related to her ear infections in traditional Chinese medicine. So we were able to take Tashi as a full creature and address all of her issues by um, maybe to the maybe to the chagrin of Ellen and her husband, changing everything about their lives. Um, and quite quickly, it, for for folks, as I recall, walked into the office, had all of the paperwork, and I kept flipping pages and flipping pages and flipping pages. I'm like, yeah, um, I'm actually going to ask you to change every single thing you're doing with your dog. <laughs> I, I do remember your husband just sat down. It's like, what? And who are you? And what? What are? What are you doing? So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this back to Ellen um, so she can give you her perspective and her memory of those days. And I, I do remember calling her Tasha instead of Tashi, which I was immediately corrected at. I'm <laughs> like, I like back across the knuckles there. Um, but she had, and still has, just because she's doing better doesn't mean that she doesn't have the foundations, you know, the root of supply of the issues that got her where she was when I met her. So we always are mindful of that. But I'd like to hear from Ellen what her initial um, thoughts were when she got the news that everything was going to change, and that um, she, uh, we'll, we'll start there. So here you go. <laughs> That's funny. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. But um, yeah, changing diet was number one. And I want to say before I forget, our traditional Western vet's 100% for this. She. Yes, she threw up her hands and said, we just don't know what else to do. But when I said, there is this other vet in town who practices both traditional and Asian methodology, she said, go for it, anything that will help. (laughs) So we were really glad to hear that. Um, Food was number one. While I had moved everybody from dry food to wet, and I always tried to buy really good food 